Okay, so if you want to know just a little bit about me, I'll give you my categories. For magazine, it's totally coastal living, but also like country living. Yeah. And then pants style, I like sweatpants. I like yoga pants, but I, I'm... If I put them on, I have to exercise or I beat myself up. <laughs> My free time, I like to exercise and organize. Mm -hmm. Vacation, um, I love the beach and the river. We have some rivers for you. Fast food, Chick-fil-A. TV show, murder, definitely murder. <laughs> and grocery store, like I, my massive shopping is Walmart, but I love HEB. They at, H, at my HEB, they call me Monday. Well, hello Monday, because I do my shopping on Monday. <laughs> I've been there. I mean, they know me too well. That's sad. Okay, let's pray, and um, we'll get started with the video from session one. I'm so glad y'all are here. I, I had so much fun praying over all of us this week and praying the names of God through the alphabet. I hope that you were able to do that. Um, I'm grateful that um, God is who he says he is. And that's what we'll discover through this study. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I exalt your name. You are almighty, sovereign, all-powerful, loving, merciful God. I praise you for your truth. I, pray you, I praise you for your word and that you love to pour your truth into our hearts so that we can live a life to bring you glory and grow your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you impress the gospel on our hearts, that we can see the, your love story from beginning to the fulfillment through Christ and how we can look forward to the promises that you have for us. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with your truth today. Fill my mouth with your words. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to get started with session one. And then to remind you, we'll do session one. And then tomorrow you could start week one, day one study. It's on page 12 of your book.
so over the moon excited to be with you all doing this session. It's really a dream come true and not something I ever thought I would have the opportunity to do. So I just thought maybe we could spend this first session talking a little bit about me so you would feel like you knew who was going to be your fearless leader over the next few weeks. Um, so a little background on me. I was not raised in a Christian home and didn't come to know the Lord until I was an adult. And um, it's just giving me a really unique perspective on scripture and, and what it means to be walking with the Lord. But there was also just sort of an awkward dance that I had to learn when I did become a Christian. And so, so kind of here's sort of how it started. I was in graduate school at the time, and I had some friends who invited me to come to a Bible study. I didn't really even know what that was. I didn't know that there were books in the Bible or how people studied them. And so the leader of the group said, just go on down to Lifeway and buy yourself this you know, manual that goes with it, this workbook, and then just show up every week and we'll, we'll do our Bible study. And I thought, well, that sounds simple enough. So one day after my classes, I, I drove into the parking lot at Lifeway and I sat in the parking lot listening to the Beastie Boys, and I looked in the windows, and I saw all of these um, posters of, of people who looked well put together, and I kind of imagined what that world looked like, and, and I'll just be honest in saying I didn't feel like I fit into it at all. And so the truth of the matter is I never got out of my car that day. Um, in fact, I remember looking in and saying, I will never go in a store like that. I just felt like it wasn't somewhere where I would ever be welcomed. And um, just was dealing with a lot of things from my past that made me feel like that wasn't somewhere that I was going to be fitting in. And so I do want to acknowledge the irony of the fact that I'm sitting here now taping my first Bible study with Lifeway. And so no, the irony is not lost on me. It was amazing the way the Lord works through things. I did go to the Bible study, despite the fact that I never walked in and got the workbook. And luckily, when I got there, one of the sweet girls had an extra copy, and she handed it to me. Pretty ambitious for a first Bible study to do. Um, you may know it. It's called Breaking Free by Beth Moore. And at that time, I wasn't a believer. And so I show up. I get this workbook. I'm, I'm sort of watching everyone as they're doing this. And, and here's how it looked to me as the brand-new believer. Beth on the video would say, turn to Isaiah chapter 53, or whatever it was. And, and to me, what it looked like was in unison, 15 girls had these Bibles and all kind of went, <laughs> and turned to exactly where she was calling. And so again, I'm like, this is going to be a mess. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I am determined. So now I have my workbook. I went home, had the only Bible that I had owned at that point, which was Precious Moments. Bible. And I spent about an hour and a half that week finding all of the verses that I knew that she was going to be referring to in the next session and putting these little post-it notes on those pages so that when I got there, I would just be able to flip to exactly where she was and I would feel like I was kind of in sync with what they were doing. I loved watching Beth teach because I could see in her this just intense affection for God. And I loved the way she loved the Lord. I'll just forever be indebted to her for the ministry that, that she's given me, and not just me, but so many other women. And 
I just couldn't imagine starting the study any other way than to thank her for that ministry. And, um, and you know, I really hope that I get to tell her that in person, and, and, I, and hopefully I will get to as soon as she decides to lift the restraining order. A.W. <laughs> <laughs> Tozer has this amazing quote. He says, the best book is not one that informs merely, but one that stirs up the reader to inform himself. Miss Beth was really that kind of book for me. She made me want to know him. She made me want to know this God that lit up her eyes. And so I kept reading. I kept studying. I started falling in love with this God who I knew was pursuing me. And all the while, I, I felt his presence in that. Christian bookstore and I bought myself several illustrated children's Bibles, like the kind that are intended for young, young children. <laughs> but what that did was it, it allowed me to, to sit down and kind of start to see these stories in a more basic way. And I, and I started piecing them together because what had happened was I was overwhelmed by the scope of the entire Bible. And these were just tissue pages filled with, with names and dates and incidences and and I just, it muddled together in my brain. So when I would read my grown-up Bible, I would maybe find a character that was really interesting to me, or there would be a story that stood out. But for the most part, all of those things just sort of floated, and, and, I, and they didn't land in a way that made sense. And it made me feel stupid. I didn't, I didn't understand it, but I, but I really wanted to. And so when I sat out there and I saw these stories, I started to piece together, and all of a sudden I was going, oh, Samson, that's who that was. Okay, here's where that fell in the Bible. Or here's the story of this, and, and now all of a sudden I could draw this line between very simple events, and it was so empowering. And so while I look back and I imagine myself sitting out there with a cup of coffee, reading and turning the pages and thinking my neighbors were probably laughing their heads off at me and, may, and maybe wondering if I was some kind of weirdo. What I also think about is that God, he probably just loved that moment for me. Because that was the time that, that I set aside my pride and, and I simply said this. I want to know this story because I want to truly know you. And I, I don't know what might have kept you from doing that in your own life. Maybe it was a pride in you. Maybe you felt this sense of inadequacy. Maybe you've even wondered if this matters at all. Or maybe you actually do know the entire Bible in, in detail, in which case I just want to urge you to take in the adorable background behind me and to focus on the audience and the beautiful way to because that's about all I have to offer you at this point. 
truly the, the heart of this study. And my greatest prayer for you as we go through it together is that you, like me, are going to have kind of this balcony moment where you start to see this beautiful arc that pieces together the Old Testament and the New Testament and all of these events and that you start to see the bigger story more clearly so that you can see him a little bit more clearly. It's obviously an ambitious topic. I'm covering the entire Bible in six weeks. That, that's a lot. So let's just get a couple things out in the open. I'm not going to cover everything. There are going to be things that I miss. As it turns out, there's a ton of material in the Bible. And there's no way for me to absolutely hit every single one of those points. And so there are going to be lots of times where we zoom in on a particular character or a certain event or, or a certain time period. But our goal really is to gain a better understanding of the general story. And what I want for you is to walk away with a good understanding of, of who the people and the places and the promises of God look like, what those are. I also want you to feel welcome here, no matter where you are in your knowledge of the Bible. Listen, if, if you are brand new to this and you are like me walking into that study and you don't know the first thing about where things fall in the Bible, you are welcome here. There's a lot of information that's going to be thrown at you in a couple of sessions. I just want to spend a second saying don't get discouraged by that. If there are weeks that you just kind of feel like you're underwater, just keep in mind what I'm saying and press through it. Along with that, you might not get to all of your homework. Here's how it's going to work. You're going to have a workbook. You're, you're going to have assignments to do each week, and then you're going to come back and we're going to do this. But if it's a lot for you to keep up with and, and maybe you miss a couple sessions, just please come and watch. Still be a part of it. Don't beat yourself up over it. Do what you can. So that's the general goal is to be able to go through the workbook and then come and discuss it. But I want you to be comfortable and I want you to do it at a pace that feels good for you. And what that might mean is that you have to go back through and kind of do this study again. And maybe the second round, it'll start to feel like you've got a little bit more ownership of this. So just do it at a pace that feels comfortable. In, in the areas that I feel like I'm zooming in a little bit, I also want to say that sometimes it's going to feel like I'm belaboring points. Sometimes it's going to feel like I'm, I'm being repetitive. The reason that I do that is that I really want to lay a great foundation for you to understand how one thing leads into another and hopefully to help you identify some patterns that you're going to start to see. Because, because when you move outside of the study and you're digging in for yourselves later, you're going to start to pick up things. And you're going to be able to see those patterns. And so a lot of times I'm going to repeat them. I'm going to go through them so that you start to have trigger words and you know that when you go through this later, you'll start to see those patterns repeating. The other thing I want to mention, and I, and I feel like it's important for me to do this, is that... Obviously, people who are doing this study are coming from different denominations, different backgrounds, different, different ways of interpreting scripture. And, and, and there are so many things that intelligent, well-educated Christians are going to go through and say, well, we have this different view of this, or we see this a little bit differently. And, and, and there is 
full room and full freedom for that, I just sort of want to make the point that that is going to be a little bit outside the scope of what we're doing here. Um, we just have so much to cover in such a little amount of time. And so once we kind of go through this general idea, you know, please feel free to go in and dig in and say, what do I think my view of the rapture is or what all these other things are? That's just not something we're going to be able to do in great detail here. I, I take a pretty conservative, traditional approach to scripture. And, and so my goal here is simply to teach it to you from a standpoint that I think does this in a balanced and, and fair way and really encourage you to kind of dig in deeper where you want to and know that I'm not trying to blow past it. I just couldn't possibly fit it all into this. The final thing that I want to say is, and it's important, I want to challenge you to be praying like a I want you to pray specifically for supernatural understanding, for joy, for his word. I want you to pray that he will make things clear to you in a way that maybe he hasn't yet. But there is work behind that. And, and I want you to make a commitment to really devote yourselves to this, to put in the time that it takes to do this homework. Pray when you open your Bibles. Pray when you open your workbooks. When, when you're on your way to go meet with your group, just truly invite him to be a part of the process. And I believe that he's going to honor it. So that's kind of the conclusion of this little meet and greet session. I'm glad to know you. I wish I could be there with you in person. What I want you to hear me say is I am so incredibly honored to be on this journey with you. And my sincere prayer that you will hear from the one whose words bring us life. And every week that you get together and you gather together, you'll see more and more of him. In the meantime, I also want you to know that I'm praying for you specifically. I'm cheering you on. Even though I'm not sitting with you in person, I'm sitting with you in spirit. And I'm begging him to bless you as we go. So in the meantime, dig into that homework, do your work, pray like a mad woman, and we'll see you next week. go into our small groups and discuss, I'm going to share with you what God is, has been teaching me. And, it, and it's really cool to me because it's about a supernatural understanding of God's word and the power of his word and the picture in the scripture because of his love for us and because of who God is in his nature and in his character. I, I told you before that I, I teach the teenagers, and we've been studying the book of 1 Samuel. If you want a book that includes drama and murder and suicide attempts and jealousy and anything with intrigue, you got to read 1 Samuel. So much so that we've talked about it a lot in my home 
that my husband, Brian, has gone back to read 1 Samuel and is considering doing a series on kings and kingdoms. I mean, there's so much in there. And like she said, to pray for a supernatural understanding, the word of God is for us because he loves us. It's for all of us. It's not just for pastors or theologians or pastor's wives because, believe me, I... You have to understand that there is nothing magical about being a pastor's wife that all of a sudden you have an understanding of every word in the Bible. It doesn't work like that. It works like I'm studying 1 Samuel. I'm like, what? Where was that when I read it last time? (laughs) There's so much in here from the Lord, and it's a beautiful picture of his promises and the promises that he has fulfilled and the promises that he has made from after Christ that I know he will fulfill because he's a promise keeper. Let me tell you what he's been teaching me. In studying 1 Samuel, he keeps bringing me back to Hannah. And let me tell you why. Hannah, I'll give you a little story about who Hannah is. So Hannah is married to a man named Elkanah. He's a Jew, and he's a faithful Jew where he he always does his journey to the temple to follow through with the feasts and the festivals where they celebrate. Elkanah is married to Hannah and Panina. Now, most likely, um, Hannah's his first wife because he mentions her first, and she's barren. She has zero children. So most likely, he marries Panina to be able to have children to carry on his lineage. Now, Panina does have children. And what you need to know is that the scripture says Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. And I'm going to start in verse 3. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship, to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Panina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. So he would give portions of the meal to Panina and enough to give to all her children. And so that was was kind of... um, just you, a blessing because she had provided children. And then it came to Hannah, and you would think she would get less portion, but the scripture says that he loved her, and to show that, he would give her a double portion. But what you need to understand, too, in this story is that Panina is mean to Hannah, and she taunts her, and she just says, I have children, you don't. And every time with the festivals, this was just thrown on her face. And poor Hannah is just getting broken and more broken because she has no children. But the scripture says, let me read further. And he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord closed her womb. So it was God who kept Hannah from having children. That's important. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. So then Elkanah says, can I not satisfy you as your husband? But no, that wasn't the case. And after they had eaten in verse 9, this is what I admire about Hannah. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply di- di- distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will will give to your servant a son, 
then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. So Hannah, this is what I love about Hannah, and this is why I want to be like Hannah. First of all, she goes to the Lord in her grief. She cries out to him, and she addresses him as Lord of hosts, which means she knows he's sovereign. She knows he is all-powerful over all things because Hannah is, is faithful, and she knows the Lord. And the beauty in this is that she knows the history of God's promises. If you look back, you know that Sarah, her womb was closed, and you know that Rebecca's womb was closed, and you know that Rachel's womb was closed, and that God opened them, opened their wombs, and gave them a son to be used to bring glory to God. Hannah knows these things. And so she makes a vow before the Lord because she knows he's a promise keeper. She knows these stories. She knows that she cannot have children. And she cries out to him as his servant, use me to bring you glory. I will give this child to your, your service. We know this by not cutting his hair that he was going to be a Nazarite, which we could go into that. You could look up number six. That It's just to be set apart to point to God. And so Hannah, later, she goes to the temple, and she's crying out, but she's doing this. She's not speaking out loud. She's crying out to the Lord. And so Eli, the priest, comes up to her and goes, hey, lady, enough drinking. (laughs) And she says, no, no, I'm not drinking. I'm crying out to the Lord. And she goes on to explain. And he he shows her mercy and pity, and and he says, so it shall be. You shall have a son. But the thing that I like is how Hannah says to the Lord, she says, um, Eli says, go in peace in verse 17, and God of Israel grant your petition that you have made him. But she turns to the Lord and says, and she said, let your servant, here she goes again, the fourth time addressing herself as servant, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate and her face was no longer sad. She was at peace. So she cried out to God in her grief. She knew his sovereignty and his power. She knew the, what he had done through women in the past to, rise, to raise a child up, to bring him glory. And so she cries out, servant, I'm your servant, I'm your servant, I'm your servant, I'm your servant. Use me to bring you glory. And God does. And he provides a child. And what does she do? She prays again. She, this is what I love. So Elkanah knows his wife is faithful, and knows of her love for the Lord. Here she has a child, finally, by his favorite wife, but he honors her and says, I trust you, and allows her to go and bring um, Samuel to the temple to be used for the Lord's service. So after she weans them, she takes them up, she gives them to them, and then what does she, she gives them to Eli, the priest, to raise him, and then what does she do? She has a prayer of praise. And the magnificent thing about this prayer is she just praises the Lord for who he is and the promises that he's kept and all that he will do. So she looks back at what he's done, finds faith in that, is honored to be used by him to bring him glory and points to the anointed one, the Messiah. She has such faith in God and she's been used by him. And this prayer, I'm going to read it for you quickly. But this prayer is like the first praise prayer in the scriptures. And do you know who later turns to this prayer? Because remember, they study the word. 
and who goes back to this prayer, and her prayer is very similar to this prayer because they know this prayer, is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Could you imagine here Hannah being faithful, knowing who God is, and knowing herself as a servant, to be used in God's plan, to have Samuel the son, who was going to be the priest, to anoint King David, who was then going to point to the Messiah, and then the very mother of Christ would recite from her prayer because of the faith they have in the promises of God, the Messiah. So listen to her prayer. Chapter 2, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exults in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no... Not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. He's our judge. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up from the poor, from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with the princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he, was set, he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge in the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. See, Hannah, who was broken, and in the time of her her culture was less than because she couldn't provide a child, is exalted by the Lord and used in his sovereign plan to point to the anointed one and give God glory. See, that's, that's who we are. We're all broken. But the Lord loves us, and he has a plan for each of us. And we can point to the Messiah, all of us, to the gospel thread. See, she saw the thread in Scripture from the time of Sarah and Abraham to where she was, and she knew the promise of the Messiah, the coming one. And so she knew the thread from the beginning and could point to the promise that was a thousand years to come. This is a thousand years before the coming Messiah, but she had faith to know it was going to happen. And she was a part of it. And that's who we are. We can be a part of God's sovereign plan to grow his kingdom. As we study his word and we understand the nature of God, the character of God and who he is, to be able to understand the truth of the gospel, as you, understand, as you grow in his character, like she did, she said, you are all powerful. You take the weak and you make them strong. You, you put pillars there to bring you glory, and you promise the anointed one he is to come. Just as you understand that he is faithful, that he is love, that he is truth, that he is judge, that he is just. See, the whole thread is we aren't just, but he, because of his nature, must make us right. That's who he is. But the great thing is that he is also love. So he's not only is he just and has to make us right, but he makes us right. He loves us. 
and he loves us and he's tender to each one of our needs and each one of our hurts and can use that to bring him glory and grow his kingdom. And that's what we're going to be studying in Seamless is God's thread of his truth throughout scripture and the promising of the Messiah and how, how the Messiah is, um, comes to be to fulfill all the prophecies, to be the perfect prophet, pre priest, and king. And that's what we're going to be learning about. So I'm excited about this. This is just a little bit of what God is teaching me. And I'm not going to talk anymore because she, she talks enough and you have some great discussion questions. So I encourage you at your tables to discuss those. And then as of tomorrow, again, I'm going to say you start week one, day one. And then we'll do the next session next week. Thank mm -hmm. you.